and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Melissa Eddyveen, I am so excited to hear your story, particularly about Bondi Chai and your life. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. Yeah, well, I'm really thrilled and thank you for having me. I love I, mean, I love telling our story and people normally find it sort of fun. So, yeah, it's good oh, to be here. Gra- oh, my gosh, that's tantalising already. <laughs> so I've kind of told everyone that you're Bondi Chai, but just tell everybody what exactly it is that you do and what your role is and all that sort of thing. And well, then, uh, at, yeah, go, you go first. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> we own Bondi Chai, but we don't make Bondi Chai. Right. And Bondi Chai is a powdered chai latte mix. So um, we started from a background of PR and marketing. We had absolutely no idea about the food industry. So there was no way we were going to dive in and build a factory and get a team of people, do all the food service standards and checks and all that. So we were one of those outsourced businesses that started nearly 17 years ago when outsourcing wasn't a thing. Right. Oh, I love this already. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the big question has to be, why did you decide to do create chai and powdered chai at that? Well, we found chai. So um, my partner, um, life and business partner, Martin, um, we he'd always wanted to go to New York as a kid and um, – when we started our relationship, it uh, was just coming up to the millennium and he said, oh, let's right. go to New York and be in Times Square for the ball drop for 2000. Oh, and wow. And so we basically put it all on credit card. We were both um, didn't have a lot of money at the time. And right. while we were in the US, um, because we were broke and we didn't have much money, we were staying on people's floors and my sister had lived <laughs> over there for a while. So we were wandering around and um, finding beds where we could find them. We ended up in Washington freezing cold, um, wandering around in the suburbs and we staggered into a cafe that didn't smell like coffee. Um, And Martin being the sort of bright, shiny object man that's always wanting to know about new stuff said, what is everybody drinking in here? And this big black African-American guy said, it's chai, man. (laughs) (laughs) And we'd never heard of it. So, of course, the first thing Martin did was ordered one. I had a cup of tea. Um, And... I'm not a coffee drinker and I loved it and Martin liked it and we'd never heard of it. So we just bought some to take home. Right. I was so sure you were going to say India. So New York has thrown me completely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, obviously um, chai masala is Indian, but um, actually a woman from um, Seattle created a chai syrup. She worked and lived in in um, India for a while and she loved it, but it's very difficult to make in a cafe. Obviously, you know, the Indians are brewing it on the street all and day they and all night. Day, that's right, yeah. for days and days. And that's not what people can do when people say, no. give me a chai. So she created a syrup and she sort of started the phenomenon in the US. Um, ah. And when we found it, we were trying a product that luckily was one of the best ones in America and we, we found the owners because we bought some packs from this cafe and so we had the all the details, the contact details of the people who oh, made right. it. Yeah. And they were making a powder and they were based in um, Washington. Right. And we eventually went and flew and met them. And, yeah, very long story short, um, 
they sold their business and we didn't have a – well, we were sort of doing it on the side. We weren't really working with them. We were just inspired by their product. Yeah. And so about 2005 when they said, well, we're out of here, um, we said, well, we better make our own. Wow. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you didn't – we weren't tempted to buy theirs. You went, no, we're going to go and make our own well, style. Well, because it was an American product, it had a lot of, you know – ingredients that were cheaper and easier and all yeah, that sort right. of thing. And we wanted to develop product that was more, um, not quite as sweet because of the Australian palette wasn't quite as sweet as the American one, but yeah. had all natural stuff in it. So something we'd be happy to drink ourselves and happy to promote. So, Wow. Oh, my God. This is such an interesting story. Um, I, I'm just going to have to keep asking you questions about this and then we'll get into your yeah. life in a minute. So, okay, so you're in New York. You've tried this tea. You brought some home with you, I assume. Yeah. Uh, and and then so when you decided to do it yourselves, how the hell did you do it? Well, we were lucky because, we, like I say, we contacted the people who made it and said, well, do you sell it in Australia anywhere because we've run out? And they said, yeah. well, no, do you want to sell it in Australia? And right. we were running a PR and marketing company at the time. Of course you were. <laughs> and we thought, well, how hard could it be? You know, right. so. Um, so, what started, did you, so yeah, where do you start when you're well, going to make your own chai? We, we didn't want to. Um, when they finally sold the business, they knew, they told us what you need is a dry powder blender. Um, right. Someone who does dry powder blending is like, okay. And it, at that time, Google really didn't exist. Like this right. was in those early days where yeah. you had yeah, black screens and DOS. <laughs> it wasn't really <laughs> it wasn't easy to just find someone. Anyway, we did a bit of research and we found a couple of um, dry powder blender people um, and ended up meeting a, a, a company in Brisbane. My family all sort of lived in Queensland by that stage, so we spent right. a bit of time up there. And we found a company that we turned up <laughs> with a couple of packets of chai that that came from America and they was like two food scientists, the business person. And then I was like, we're like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> this is, whoa. Uh, and they were really excited because that's what they did. And it was a brand new product in the country. Right. So they treated us so well. And we were thinking, geez, if only they knew, um, <laughs> but they wanted us to make a ton of each flavor. We were going to do two flavors right. and they wanted us to make our first batches, a ton of each product and a oh serve of chai is 10 grams. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> and expensive as well. I mean, a yeah. ton is, you know, a yeah. lot. And uh, shelf life of 12 months. <laughs> right. God, no pressure then. <laughs> yeah. So we, um, we'd we been selling the um, American – we hadn't been selling. We'd, we'd connected the guys in the US with some um, friends or also a company in Launceston where we were living at the time. Right. Um, who brought a, a pallet of product in and they'd been selling the American product. Um but then when the company in the US was sold, um, the new owners didn't want to deal with some tiny little thing in a place called Tasmania. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they basically said, well, unless you buy a container, you're not getting it. And these people said, what are you going to do? So we, we developed our own recipe then and packaging. Right. And because obviously, you know, you know, PR and marketing can be really expensive. Um Yes, so, well, so you ticked those boxes already. We ticked already. those boxes, so but, we but, didn't have those costs. And so Bondi Chai is yeah. a, a marketing Yes, well, decision. we sat down trying to think of what we would call the product. Yeah. And we wanted it to be Australian because we knew there was never going to be enough people drinking chai in Australia to, for the lifestyle we wanted. 
Right. So we knew we'd always have to go overseas. Um, so we wanted a truly Australian name that would be recognisable. Yeah, and great. You know, so we wrote all these things and our actual thing was we wanted locationally based and Bondi rhymed with chai and that was one of the main reasons we did it. <laughs> Because there was no, did, there was none did of you it. know it would be an area that would, I, I bet, um, really take off? I would yeah, have thought that, it, yeah. There was no one else registered one for Bondi in those days. There was a Bondi burger on the trademark because we had to look it up. There was nothing else. So we're wow. like the second Bondi. Anything. Anything before and now I think there's thousands. So Oh, my God. Yeah. Melissa, that is such an interesting story. All right. Yeah. Now I'm going to um, – Take you back, if that's all, we will go yeah. back yeah. to when you were a little girl. And let's just talk a little bit about your life and how you've ended up in PR and marketing and then into the chai. So where did you grow up? In, was it in Queensland? No, in Launceston um, okay. in Tasmania. Oh, small little place. Yeah, well, yes, it was. Uh, in fact, if I told you the truth, I actually spent most of my younger days in a place called Savage River, which right. is a mining town on the west coast of Tasmania. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, That's so amazing. My, my dad was a geologist and my mum was doing nursing in the in the small town for the mining village. So, Oh, that's amazing. And any brothers and sisters? I have a twin sister. Oh, I've got twins too. I know, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a twin sister, so just the two girls? Yes, Right. And what were you like at school? Did you did you enjoy school? Yeah. Were you good at it? Yeah. My sister and I, we both enjoyed school. Um, yeah. She was a bit more brainy than me. Um, I, she, you know, someone would say to her, you know, write a 3,000-word essay and she'd say, is that all you want? And she'd right. write it down. Churn it and out. And I'd, I'd come up with two paragraphs and then I'd think, I've got nothing else to say. That sounds like my <laughs> twins. <laughs> <laughs> but we both did well at school. We both enjoyed it. You know, we liked uh, doing homework. I was more like I loved the arty. I wasn't very good at art, but I loved painting and making things and that sort of thing. You probably are good at it. You're just denying yourself. <laughs> um, okay. And so did you – so what happened when you got to year 12? Did you get to year 12? Yeah, so I did year 12. Um and- and then was uni the sort of next obvious step or? Well, I actually got to, to year 12 and thought I really would have liked to have done like graphic design or something, which I could right. have gone obviously straight from year 10. Um, but by the time I was 18, my sister and I had bought a house together. Oh, my goodness. Um, because we just wanted um, some sort of to get started in the sort of real estate industry. And Can then I ask she dis- why? Like not a lot of 18-year-olds think that they want to get started in the real estate industry. I mean, it's um, smart. Was well, that mum and dad? Well, my dad and my mum separated when we were about 11. And right. we um, had a pretty tough time financially with my mum. And, um, right. And so eventually she ended up like buying houses, doing them up, selling them, trying to clear some debt and get some money in the bank. And so it just felt like for us, real estate was a little bit solid and secure. Yeah. Um, and I had a friend who was working um, in real estate and she said this, it was this cute little cottage, like very old and run down. And it was basically, I think it was like $35,000. This would have been in 88 or something. And she said, you could buy yeah. it and put tenants in it. And so- my sister and I did. We were both at that stage. We were both working. We both got out of school, and I was doing like admin secretarial work, and she she was doing um, the same sort of thing. Okay. And, and then she decided. You no, know, we went. We decided we go for a trip around Australia. So we bought a combi van, 
because we both wanted to travel. <laughs> I love the two of you already. Yeah, we both so wanted to travel. So you bought the put the tenants in and went travelling. Yeah, well, I didn't want to travel overseas until I'd seen my own country. I thought if you're going overseas and saying, what's this like and what's that like? It's like, well, I'd lived in Tassie my whole life, so I <laughs> didn't know much about Australia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that. When so, we got back, she decided well, to go. hang on a minute. Hang on yeah. a minute. Where did you go? Like literally around the we coast We did 20,000 k's. We circumnavigated Oh, my Australia. God. And how long, yeah. did you, how long did that take? Uh, we did it in six months, just over six months. I just love it. How adventurous. Okay, so what did you do when you came back? Because you obviously had a lot of time to think while you were away. Yeah, well, Renee decided she wanted to go to uni when we got back. Right. And so I couldn't go back to TAFE and do design because someone had to pay the mortgage on the rental property. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I said, okay. oh, I'll keep working. So, yeah. And okay, I was so just you- doing basic, um, oh, well, I've had so many different jobs, um, mostly in admin. I mean, I've worked for the Maritime College in Launceston, so as an admin oh, okay. person first, and then I worked in the ship hydrodynamics tank doing testing oh. on yacht holes and worked with one of the America's Cup. So, like, really weird stuff. Oh, amazing. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, but just, lovely. Yeah, just like I sort of like to try new things. So so when um, your sister finished uni, did you swap? Did you decide you wanted to go or, or you just no, kept on working? No, but then I sort of moved on and um, – I guess when you're used to getting a bit of money in your pocket, you don't want to go back to being a poor no. student. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay, so when when did you move from Tassie or, or what was the next move? Um, well, I've only, we only left um, – Martin is my second partner in life. I was married um, and so was he. Um, right. And so we were working – he was the PR man and I at that stage was working – as a desktop publisher. So I'd sort of got into that side of things and okay. um, we met at the business we were working together in. Um, which was in Tassie? Which was in Launceston, yeah. Right. And we ended up having our own consultancy and it was great because we could spend all day, every day together. We worked together. We travelled around Tassie doing work for, you know, different businesses. Yeah. Um, but we, I think we got this huge tax bill one year and I just sort of said to Martin, we're working, we can't work any harder and, and we're losing some in tax and we're never going to get any more money than we're getting now. And, like, we yeah, we didn't worry because we were together. We, you know, start yeah. at 7 in the morning, finish at 10 at night and we were out there doing stuff. And we knew um, because we'd been involved with the Amway business that if you, if you have an hours for dollars job, then you're very, very limited. But if you have a product-based business, then you then can you leave can and the business it. will happen without you. Ah, very so smart. We wanted to spend time together, but we didn't want a real business, if you know what I mean. So we thought, right. yeah, you know, we and were so- we were aware that we wanted a product. We had no idea what that what was it would until be. you and, and until York. you decided to do that New York trip. Yeah, that's so beautiful. So talk to me about the early days of the business then, and what that was like. <laughs> <laughs> I love this because it's only fair that, you know, women realise um, that starting a business isn't always, you know, doesn't all go smoothly all the time. I mean, I don't know, maybe yours did, but <laughs> tell me what it was like in the early days because it's normally pretty tough, particularly yes. if you don't have a lot of money to back you, yes. you know, to, to yes. get it started. Was, I mean, we were so naive um, and having <laughs> no background in the food industry we decided that, you know, we'd done a plan and, you know, what, how much we were going to sell and how many cafes there'd be, you know, in five years we're going to sell it and retire. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't oh, pan dear. out that way? Well, it's up, we're up to year 17, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what were the first five years like? Tell me. Um, 
Well, we were lucky. Martin kept um, doing a bit of work for um, writing magazine articles and things like that, so we knew we could pay our rent. Um, right. And I pretty much moved across to the business and getting it up and running um, and, you know, the logistics. And, um, we so had what did a, you do? Do you have to find a factory in... Yeah, so we ended up finding um, the people in Queensland and they took us on. Um, yeah. And we were did lucky. They, did you still have to do a ton, or did, did you partner two ton with of product them for our first batch? Yes. Oh my god! And at god. that stage, we had the company in Launceston that had been selling the other product, so we knew that we had a customer for it. Right. In our first month, we sold like seventeen kilos or something. So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's funny because when I look back, I don't remember being worried, and I guess because you know Tassie is quite a small place, and that was the only place that we were selling chai at the time. So you knew there was a much bigger market that you, you could yeah, expand we, to. We, we sort of knew that we had customers there that would get us going and start paying some bills. And we'd been working with – I mean, I'm going to take too long, so I'll make a short no, story. No, 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 no. <laughs> we've got plenty of time. Tell me. I want to hear the story. We'd been working with a company on the west coast of um, Tassie that um, did a luxury cruise up the Gordon River. Yeah. And a young girl that had been working with them had moved to Brisbane, in fact. And right. No, she'd moved to Sydney and she'd met – a woman that worked for a food company in Brisbane. Right. And she said, if you want to sell chai, she works for a, a food business and I can get her to get you an appointment. Wow. So she did because we, you know, we, and I had rung like to find who do you talk to. I rang about 20 cafes in Brisbane and said, who so do you get? You're, so, but you're looking for a distributor yeah, at this stage. Yeah, so for a you? distributor. Right. right. Yeah. So I rang so, 20 cafes and said, who do you get your stuff from? Yeah. And the name Boutique Beverages came up like 10 times. Right. So I knew we had to contact them and that happened to be who this woman worked Stop for. Stop it. There's the universe for yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very good. Apparently I'm very good at manifesting. We both believe very strongly in it. Wow. And yeah, so this woman worked for Boutique Beverages. <laughs> so we got an appointment. <laughs> right. And and what? how did that go? Well, it was amazing because we, we went up to Queensland a few days earlier um, and we'd been in the supermarket getting our bread and milk and that sort of thing and we found chai latte on the supermarket shelf and we were both oh, blown no. away. I thought, oh, my God. And it was Lipton's. Right. We thought, so we bought some yeah. and, and tried it. It was awful. Yeah. And then two days later when we had this meeting, this guy was chatting away and, and then at one stage he says, well, and he pulls a box of Lipton's chai latte <laughs> out from behind him and says, what are you going to do about this? <laughs> And we said, oh, that, oh, we've tried it. It's terrible. And he just went, oh, okay, well, let's talk then. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And so what was their first order? Uh, They actually took about 20 cartons, 10 cartons of each. So that was nearly 300 kilos. Okay, so you thought we've just got to do that three times in the next 12 months. Yeah. And so, so were you doing a lot of the marketing to yes. get the pull through? Yeah. We were. Right. We had to just knock on so many doors. I mean, I put my, my mini skirt on and was knocking on cafe doors <laughs> all over Tasmania because right. no one had heard of it. No, of course. but And, and the, you've got to find those people that yeah. are up for trying something new yeah. rather than the ones that want to sit back and wait and see if you become the market leader, then we'll buy. Yeah, and they all saying, well, if, anyway, if, if my customer asks me for it, I'll contact you. So, <laughs> no. But we were fortunate because about the same time, about 2005, a thing called the Good Food and Wine Show right. was launched in Australia and they and, were in uh, every major capital city. And it's, is that sort of luxury high-end products? No, or? it was just a, it was a place to showcase new products. Okay. Um, 
and they'd get 10,000 people over three days would wander through and everyone would, you know, your cheese lady, she'd have a cheese out and she'd let people sample it and then she could sell it to them. And, right. you know, so it was an opportunity. We just went to every one of those that came up in every part of the country and gave out you know, the little pill cups, the 20 mil pill cups. We'd make up the chai and hand it out to people and then they'd buy a pack. And we did that, well, solidly for about 10 years. Like that's oh, wow. That's how we got product out there and people and yeah so the idea of you know the product and some big distributor gets it and off it goes just doesn't happen you've no, got to but do we a found them of- like we uh, the guy we were working with originally in melbourne um found us at that show so they're on the hunt as well so it was it was uh, you know it was getting an understanding when when we launched chai no one knew what it was yeah. i think the only people doing chai at that time was gloria jeans Right. There was no one else in the whole of Australia. And it would have been that horrible American syrup, probably. Syrupy stuff. It was disgusting. Right. Yeah. So, but it is a, a chai. The chai I've ever had is in India. I haven't eaten, I haven't had your chai. I can't bear, believe I'm saying that. <laughs> I'm going to have to go off and get some. Um, but that um, in India, it is super, super sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Like hard to deal with. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And because they normally use condensed milk and. Just yeah, yeah, and, of sugar and stacks in it. of sugar, yeah, stacks of sugar. Yeah. Ours, um, ours is sweet, but um, I wouldn't but say deliciously it's sweet. sweet. Yeah, yeah. Right, so um, so you've got that. So how? So okay, so that's the first, where were you at the end of first, first five years? Well, roughly? by then we'd moved to Nelson Bay. So we, the problem we had living in Tasmania is that we were ringing people on the mainland. Obviously, that's where the big population was. But they'd yeah. say, "Sure, come and see us tomorrow." We'd say. Right. We can't, right. <laughs> yeah. And we had to not only – and we did it a couple of times. You'd have to find a hotel and flights. And, the number, you know, a couple of times we had flights and the plane wouldn't go because it was foggy in Melbourne or, you know, <laughs> and you just couldn't set appointments. And we thought we need to be on the mainland if we're going to grow this business. Right. Um, and was that a hard decision to make because you both grew up in Tassie and – Not really. I mean, for us, <laughs> I guess – leave. We moved to Nelson Bay, which is a tiny little beachside village – yeah. Um, so it was small and we didn't want to live in Sydney. But because we both had different earlier lives with different partners and that, for yeah. us, it was almost like a clean start that when we moved here we weren't. Yeah, it was something you were both doing together yeah. to start your new life together kind yeah. of thing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay, so um, I don't. So you've always outsourced the um, production of it. Yes. So do you just did you just have to have a tiny office yeah. so that you've got somewhere that people can contact you and off you go road shows, trade shows. Yes, we just worked from thing. home the whole time. Right. We sort of worked in the spare bedroom or the rumpus room or wherever <laughs> we could. You know, at first we had two desks and sat shoulder by shoulder with a printer in the middle. You know. <laughs> oh, isn't that beautiful? That's oh. such a great story. Yeah. Okay, so um, after you've moved up to Nelson Bay, what what have the last, what's that, 12 years been like then? And and I'd love to hear about any challenges along the way as well. Yeah, well, we moved up here and we I actually had to borrow money off my sister because we didn't even have money for rent when we moved up here. Oh, um, right, and we okay. moved up with whatever we could fit in the car. Um, so so how did you, how do you get going? I mean, did you get an investor? No, no one wanted yeah, to do that. You never had an investor. It. Oh, actually, we did. We had, because obviously we, we had rental properties by then. Um, right. We'd, well, actually, we we built, we bought a block of land in Tassie and built two townhouses on it so we could live in one and rent the other out to help pay for them. Right. And so we actually got a line of credit against our house to start our business. We got $100,000. Right. Just to get, you know, we... 
to pay for the to two pay tons. for the startup for the packaging <laughs> and the first couple of batches and things like that. So we yeah, had that right. sort of buffer. Um, and then, and then, literally, it, it, it's just made enough money that you've been able yeah. to reinvest, reinvest, and yeah. then grow. So from I think there. after two years, we started making a profit. And I mean, we lived together. Martin says we always lived on two minute noodles. I mean, that's what we used to do. But <laughs> you know, we 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 <laughs> we enjoyed but each other. You other's believed company. in it, and so, you believed yeah. in it. Yeah. So um, we became profitable, and well, we How grew long quite did that quickly. Take? So yeah. I think by two thousand and eight, we were turning a profit. Right. And by about 2000 and I think it was about 2010, 2011, we did our first, um, I'm trying, maybe let me get this right. It must have been a bit later. We went into supermarkets. We got into supermarkets. Right. But, but um, that's supposed to be really challenging because they beat you down on price. And oh, yes. There was no money in it. very high expectations yeah. in and terms of um, deliveries. Isn't that the other thing with oh, supermarkets? that We you went know, into they- it. We got a consultant. By that time, we'd met Peter Irvine. Um, right. And he was one of the founders of Glory Jeans and he was mentoring oh, okay. us. So he'd actually taken us on to mentor us. Um, oh, how amazing. And did he put it in Gloria Jeans? Well, long story short, no. Oh. <laughs> no. He <laughs> I'm was really sort of, shocked. He still wanted the syrupy one. Or is that a franchise well, thing? Well, by then that- he'd moved out. He right. was one of the owners but not one of the hands-on people and it was right. all very political um, as right. to you know, who they worked with and what How ironic that were happening. Yeah. But he so was a wonderful was man. And yeah. he got us involved with some consultants to help us understand supermarkets. And we okay. knew we weren't going to make a cent out of them. But right. we thought at least if we could break even, that would be okay. Cause, but we were really keen to get our brand lifted rather than keep doing constant shows Right, so it was really an awareness thing that you just went, right, we'll do it so that everyone knows our name and then we can... And then we can ride off that. And it did did do a little bit of damage to our business when we were working with cafes because, of course, cafes don't want a supermarket brand in their cafe. So it was a balancing act, but we were only in supermarkets for about two years. And during that time, we know that it was because, um, you know, a mum and dad business with one product in two flavours, managed to get on 1,800 supermarkets with both Coles and Woolies ranging us nationally. Wow, and, that's extraordinary. And we, we, were, we actually won the Telstra Award in 2014 for micro business because no one could believe we'd done it. Wow, that's so weird. I've just interviewed one of my first interviews of She's the Boss was the woman with a Telstra businesswoman for doing um, vitamin T called Elements. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Julie Hirsch. So there you go. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you, you did two years on the supermarkets. Now, that I'm sure was a huge balancing act. But were there any moments during the course of the business, right the way through the 17 years, where something has happened, and we'll talk about pandemics in a minute because yeah. I'm sure that was one of them, yeah. um, but where something happens and you start to think, you know, oh, my God, I don't know what we're going to do. So, you know, we've some drama has happened and yet it makes you change direction slightly and you look back on it and go, I'm so glad it happened yeah. because of what we did. Have you had moments like that? Yeah, we've had a couple of moments, but I think the, the, the good part about, I mean, partnerships sometimes work and sometimes don't and husband and wife no. partnerships in business don't always work so well. But no. because Martin and I have got this sort of, we're locked into each other. So we always believed if anything happened, if we lost the whole business, as long as we had each other, that would be okay. Oh, right. So it allowed you to ride things out and maybe take a few risks. Balance. If if suddenly Martin got really down, 
so I would just naturally lift. And yeah. so there was okay. always that rational and we went through some challenge and the pandemic was probably the biggest one. But we've been through, well, yeah. talk to me a bit. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the challenges, maybe a couple of the challenges that you've had, including the pandemic, yeah. and how you wrote it out. Well, one of the – well, I'll talk about supermarkets. I mean, we, we yeah, ramped do. up in supermarkets and we were clever enough and lucky enough to know that that was going to be an all-consuming journey. Um, and right. so at that time we had been working with a lady or we made a relationship, our very first – company Boutique Beverages, one of their sales reps called Karen was a total angel. She loved our product. She loved us. She put so much effort in. And because right. I had family in Queensland, we'd pop up and see her. And every time we we're in town, we'd have a couple with her. And she'd left Boutique Beverages and she'd been out there. And I said to Martin, when we were going into supermarkets, we're going to need someone in our business that just focuses on our cafes and make sure that business doesn't get neglected. And we happened to be Smart. having coffee with Karen that week. And when we stood up from having coffee with her, we'd offered her a job. <laughs> and she'd said yes. <laughs> and she'd said yes. She jumped. She jumped because she loved our product oh, and she loved the industry. So what was the – no, but you did talk about the fact that cafes don't like it if it's in the supermarket. So yeah. she had a hard job in front of her. Yeah. Um, did you get a lot of pushback? We got pushback from some people. Um, right. And I have to say our supermarket experience was not a good one. We, right. we very we really struggled to sell product in supermarkets. And for us, luckily, um, the buyer and we both agreed that it was time to get off the shelf. Right. <laughs> and I remember that buyer saying, I've never had anyone say that to me before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, know, so, but you were smart cookies, the two of you. You could yeah, tell that already. Yeah, so we were only So what shortly, did you do then? So what did you do then? Because, I mean, you've lost the we volume. We lost a chunk it, of- I, I, well, we lost a chunk yeah. of business, but not a chunk of profit. No, uh, that's. I guess that's the kind of the balance. But then, so how did you then take that supermarket awareness and build it out into the independence? Did did you get a whole lot of Karens? No, we've only. Well, Karen is still with us. She's the only. Uh, she'll be <laughs> ten years with us next March. So, um, right. What well, we we were actually um, fortunate because we won the Telstra Award because we're in supermarkets, but. The week before the National Telstra Awards, we, Martin and I were the, the star story and 80 newspapers around the country featured us. Oh, wow. For what? For being a, in, in the Telstra Awards and, the, and, and our business and how quirky right. it was and how we did it and it was a quirky product and all that sort of thing. So Fantastic. actually by then we had put another lady on because Karen's based in Queensland. We'd put a lady on in Victoria to try and like yeah. build the market. And for the next year after those awards – they'd walk into cafes and they'd say, oh, Bondi Chai, I've heard of that. Oh, fantastic. So for that next year, we, we had like 20% growth. Amazing. Yeah. So and, it, uh, right. So, so yeah, that sounds like you managed that one really well. And yeah. by then we'd also won um, a contract with a coffee company uh, to make their chai. So it was our product. It was Bondi Chai, but it was in their packaging. Right. And they were taking a ton, after about four or five years, they were taking a ton a month from us. So that was like a, a key account that sort of locked in um, right. at that level as well. So so then along comes 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened to you then? Well, it was the weirdest thing because that March, 
we had done our best march ever in sales. We were like, by week three, we nearly hit $200,000. And we're thinking, this is amazing. What is going on? We're on, we're on the curve. We're on our way up. <laughs> it's tipping. <laughs> and then in the last week, we did, like, when they announced COVID, first two weeks of April, we had no phone calls. We had no emails. We had no orders. <laughs> The whole oh, world just stopped. It did, yeah. It was it was really scary. It was really weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank goodness you 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 were, had a drink <laughs> that yeah. you were selling. Yeah, that's right. Luckily, we weren't uh, a people restaurant. People with bicycles and and you know they're also yeah, and restaurants yeah. are much much harder. But obviously, you need to sell to those cafes. So, ha- what happened after the first two weeks? Um. Well, we were kind of lucky because as people got to understand what restrictions were happening. And most of our business was not in Melbourne. So thank goodness, because the Melbourne seemed to suffer worse than anyone else in the country. Most of our yep. business was in Queensland and New South Wales. And once cafes were able to open and do takeaway, um, which is about the 1st of June, right. our business boomed again because they were selling more drinks because people were at home yes. or they weren't going to work. It's if, and we don't have a lot of cafes in CBD it's right. far too competitive, that market, and they want the cheapest product and they change at a blink of a hat or the cafe owners just disappear. And so we're more, sort of more a suburb regional focus. Right. And, and get, on top of that, you've got a distinctive flavour that yeah. people ha- would have been missing, Yeah, you know, that they haven't been able to get hold of. So, mm. wow. So, yeah, we, luckily we – but we had – just recently, about 12 months before that, we put on a new guy to work with us to grow our international business and, and get that side. We have a fair bit of chai that we sell overseas. Oh, okay. Where did you target first? Um, well, we had someone target us, actually. We had a guy from Holland contact us, oh, nearly 14 years ago now. Um, right. And it started off very slow and he's still with us uh, and we wow. visit him many times. That um, He's ordering container loads off us now, so... Is he the supplier to Europe? Yes. Well, he takes everything in. That's right. He does um, have a few. Um, he's not an agent. He's sort of. He, he's very clever because he set up his business as a um, pick and pack business. So he works pretty much on his own. But he has right. a, a logistics team that get all his stock in and send all his orders out and all that sort of thing. So he's you know very light on his feet. Um, right. And just recently won a, a deal with a franchise group over there to supply all their hundred and fifty cafes and he's already oh, got service like he's doing it when we met with him earlier this year and he's probably more inspired and more business minded than we are <laughs> we're, a bit, we're a bit lazy now we're sort of looking for an easier journey but you're journey. allowed to be now because you've done the hard graft and it's out there yeah. and now it's for people to fall in love with it and grow it as well yeah so I mean it was all as our goal and we've still we've had we, we did sell chai into India for a while which is sort of funny yeah, um, and how did that go? Because I met a guy in India who was doing olive oil, which I remember at the time thinking, oh, my God, that's so logical. But, you know, I know that that's over there they, they sell it all as Europeans. So yeah. um, how did you go It didn't India? go well. didn't. <laughs> I'm surprised. Was, I would have thought the Aussiness of it would have yeah, made itself. Yeah, the sell. product itself was well accepted. We actually went over there and um, met with some of the five-star hotels and that sort of thing. But the we we'd actually um, found a, a whole a distributor that was looking after a chain a franchise chain the second biggest one in in India called um, yeah. Baritza Cafe, right. and we got the deal. We made all the product. We actually developed a special blend for them that had a stronger tea flavour, 
send all these pallets of stuff over there and then the company was bought. Oh. And they sacked all the middle management so all our contents just disappeared. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I don't think we ever got paid. But anyway. Wow. Yeah. So we, but we can right. say we've sold it in India. <laughs> yep. And there you go. Just chalk that up to experience as well, yeah. I guess. And now, of course, I heard of you through Heidi Dugan. Yes. Whose podcast episode will be out next week, I think. Um, and she, and so you're going into China. Yes. And yes. how's that going? Well, it's. It's been stymied by the, the, the lockdowns. We were actually we were due to send our first pallet early in the year. Right. Um, and of course then if they just the whole of Shanghai got completely locked down and this still, year? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Heidi was in lockdown God, from March until June. She couldn't leave her house. Wow. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I don't think I had realised that yeah. um, it was still going on in some countries. Yeah, and even a couple of months ago because we've sent our first pallet, um, but we're waiting to send a second one because the port that the stock was going into was in lockdown because they all had to go home because of COVID. So it's still a big deal over there. It's still causing chaos. Right. But anyway, it's just it's tough because the when the when it you know and and I know that from Melbourne um, that if the government decides that they want it to be zero yeah. or that they want to try and contain it, yeah. then you know there is the only only the only way is lockdown. But now I think we all know the repercussions of it that maybe that's not so smart yeah. in terms of the mental health issues and all the other issues that come out of it. That's right. I mean, fortunately for us, we've got Heidi on the ground over there, and she's amazing. And you know, yeah. obviously, we discussed maybe and very well connected on hold. <laughs> But in the yeah. end, we decided everybody else was putting stuff on hold with China. And so when they came out the other side, there would be nothing new. And you know, we know what happened in Australia. As soon as people were let free, they went crazy. Yeah, that's true. So, and so how did you meet Heidi? Oh, it's a bit of a long story. And um, we were working with another company in China because we've. this is about the fifth or sixth time we've tried to get into China. Okay. Um, and we were working with another company that was um, used to do trade shows and they would take products, you know, Australian products and they'd do it for you so you didn't have to go over there. Yeah. And at one stage she was the manager of that business just for a short stint and um, we, we spoke to her about what they'd been doing for us and how we weren't happy with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she and left she- that business and, and Martin, of course, had done some research on Hiyue then and seen the amazing yeah, like she's incredible, isn't she? Talents that she's got. And at the time, she didn't want to work with us. She had right. too much else on her plate and, you know, we were a bit too small. And then COVID happened and yep. business changed. And I think some of the clients she had probably didn't want to keep doing business while COVID was about. And we sort of changed our focus and our um, commitment. Yeah. And we just somehow ended up chatting again one day and before you know it we're working with her so that it's it's all timing isn't it it is that's amazing well it's it's look it's 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 luck but it's also taking advantage of opportunities when they come to you that's right uh, which you two have obviously done very well and the fact that you've got each other's back and you know that you you have that close connection makes it so much better, I would think, yeah, to, to make those decisions. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Okay. Well, what an incredible story that is. Now, talk to me about any women. So, because she's the boss is all about women in business, yes. I do like to sort of give you the opportunity to do a shout out on any great women. And so, Heidi Dugan is obviously one and yeah. Karen is obviously another. I don't know what her surname is, but oh, she sounds amazing. Karen McPherson, yeah. 
Karen McPherson, everyone. Um, have there been any other women right right back to sort of when you were leaving school to now? I, I guess your sister would be another. Sorry, I'm answering the questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shut up. Your turn. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously my mum um, had to sort of she, – she'd been married very young and when dad left she was lost. Right. Um, and then I saw her struggle with that and then become a very determined woman and she ended up in um, – like sales in newspaper ads and that sort of thing. And right. she um, she was just, you know, my, my sister's a little bit, um, well, she has her own business as well, my sister. So, I mean, that's where we ended up. And, and mum did have her own business for a while, which didn't go so well. But, yeah, I've always had strong role models. And what I found and what one of the things we love um, about our business now is because we have staff now, um, we, we get the chance every now and then to just jump in the car and go off on the road yeah. and meet some of the people who are selling our product. We wander into their cafes and say hi, and and I love that. And, and we've recently taken that to a new level. Um, you, you might want to see on the, the wall behind me, but people listening this won't. We've, earlier this year, well, last year we revamped our website and decided that we wanted more friendly faces on it because, you know, chai is a fun product. Yeah. And then we decided to put maybe friendly faces on our packaging. Um, and I said to Martin, well, why don't we put some of our cafe owners on our packaging and tell their story. Oh, how lovely. So we have been. We've just started. We launched it earlier this year and and it's just starting to roll out now. But what we do is we get some shots of people and we've got them from all around the country and then there's a little QR code on the back which takes you to a page and a website where you can read all about these people and how they got started and they answer a bit like you're doing, you know, 10 questions about their life and their business and what they found. And they're amazing. They're just yes. fantastic people. So <laughs> now you can see why I do it. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, yes, as, it's everyone, addictive. If, yeah. If you, yeah, it is. And if you love people, yeah. um, and you love their stories, then you know it's heaven. Yeah. And of course, for you, I'm just putting on my PR hat, probably a little bit like Martin, and gone. What a great PR op too. Yeah. For you to go out and, and push out these clients, so I love it yeah. on so many levels. Yeah, and one of those. Um, I mean, because I, uh, one of the people that ended up on the packaging was a, a local lady that runs a, a gym here in the Bay, and I've been to a class of hers this morning. A young mum, yeah. young kids, husband that works away, and she and another um, instructor opened a gym in the middle of COVID. Oh, good on them! And <laughs> keep she's an these inspiration to me. Like I just, I just yeah. love these stories and these people and. And they make you because sometimes I think, you know, people get impressed by our story and what we've done and that. But I just think I don't have young children. <laughs> you know, I don't have the commitments. You know, I've got a supportive partner that's around and, and now a team of people around me. And you see some of these people going out there and just putting it all on the line. And you think, geez, I don't know if I could do that. I'm just an inspiration. Oh, you're so funny because as women, we never look at our own stories, but you just told me all about your life and how, especially you and Martin, when you were broken, sleeping on floors in New York, found yeah. this product and decided to create it. So you are pretty brave as well. <laughs> and you have had quite a lot of challenges along the way. Yeah. But, um, but I, you know, I, I agree with you totally. And it's very inspiring to hear how other people have got through things. Yeah. Um, and, and it really helps. So um, how do you juggle your work and your life if it's something that you love so much and it sounds like it's still semi being run from home as well yeah. how do you you said you occasionally we get the chance to sort of take off yep. 
have you sort of how have you not burnt out is the question I guess well we have slowed down so um we a couple of years ago we built our dream home here in the bay um yeah and that enabled us to build an office which is separate to our home which is nice so that we have staff come and go now and they're not in our lounge room um and so just being in this space now we, we look out at the ocean and we're surrounded by trees it's just like a sanctuary, so it just heaven. gives you a chance to just, you know, you can't feel anything but joy to live in this beautiful, beautiful place that we're blessed to live in now. Um, Martin's sort of winding back a bit because he's a little bit older than me, so he's 66. So right. he sort of comes into the office when he needs to be his computer, but otherwise he's not in. Um, right. I am 52, um, so yeah. I'm still... Quite in the tied, prime of your life, yeah, tied up into the um, logistics and finance and making sure everything's running. And but that's my go-to. I'm one of these sort of control yep. freak type people, and unless I know what's going on, I I just don't feel safe. Like I feel I can have complete confidence as long as even if there's a problem, as long as I know about it, I'm okay. Right. Okay. So I sort of am still quite. And well, and because we just we had we lost a staff member in July, and we still haven't been able to replace it because of COVID. So I'm sort of doing two jobs at the moment, but I'm sort of probably <laughs> oh doing God, more hours than I want to at the moment. Yeah, right. But we work hard, we play hard. Tomorrow we're flying to Queensland, and we're going on a cruise. I don't even ask why we're going oh, on a cruise. So my dad's 80th. He he booked the cruise, <laughs> and we're going on it. But yeah, so we'll just take off for a week, and the team here will just deal with. Oh, well, that's good. What happens? That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's my mum's 80th on Saturday as well. Yeah, so there you go. Um, Okay, and last question then is, is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? Well, that was that I'm a twin, actually. Most most people don't. Actually, in Tassie, everybody seemed to know I was a twin. But here, I have my twin sister moved up to the to the bay not long after we did. Oh, so she's up there with so you. So she's up here now. I've tried running away. It didn't work. Um, and Are you identical? We Well, scientifically, no. But, right, yes, fraternal. we look very alike. But you look very similar. So right. she has a, a glass repair business and she knows everyone in the town and every street of the town and everyone knows her and she's got two kids. And so every time I go out, they think I'm her. Right. <laughs> so no one knows that she has a twin sister floating around because we work from home. We sort of don't get out as much. So, yeah, I, I feel right. like I need a T-shirt that says I'm not Renee. <laughs> well, maybe you just need a T-shirt for Renee that yeah. says I have a twin sister. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christmas is coming up. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, Melissa, I am so thrilled that you have agreed to come on and share your story. What a lovely story it is too. I'm so happy for you and Martin having found each other and started this business together and how well it's gone. And I have no doubt at all that it'll go really well moving on. If anyone wants to find out, wants to buy Bondi Chai or wants to get hold of you, what are the best ways for them to do that? Yeah, so um, bondichai.com.au, that's our website, and there's a link to the shop there where they can buy um, online. Um, okay. So they just jump on there. We, we have a, a 3PL in Sydney that does all of our processing, and Australia Post delivers anywhere if they get it right. Great, <laughs> so, Great. good to know. And yeah. if we've got any cafe owners, then definitely get it in your yeah. store. And, just and what about if they want to get hold of you? Are you a social media woman at all? Um, I try not to be. We have a lady that does all our social media. So we have a Facebook page, Instagram and that sort of thing. Um, 
But, but the best way to get a hold of you personally is via the website probably. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. call the office or, um, yeah, people will put me All in right. touch. It's so funny I quite often answer the phone um, when there aren't staff here and, you know, chat to some of the cafe owners when they call in. I love it. I just love chatting to them and saying hi. And some of them I still remember for when that used to be my job and you just have a chat about how things are going. So, yeah, it's good fun. Oh, that's great. Well, listen, thank you so much. I've just loved sharing your story and I can't wait to get it out there now. All right, great. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Jules. It's terrific. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.